If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. All right, now to my message. Uh, whenever we get together as a staff, we often talk about what's in our hearts to see um, people experience when they encounter God. And so we, have, we all have kind of similar things. We want to see people live the life that God came to give them. But uh, more specifically, my answer always is something like this. I want people to experience the love and acceptance of God through me. I want to love people and accept people so that they know how much God loves them and accepts them. And if I uh, were to go a little bit beyond that, I would tell you that I am passionate about people understanding who they are in Christ and having the ability to use the giftings and callings and the tools that God's put in their hand to the best of their ability so that they can have a fulfilled life that God came to give them. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this morning is just how to be who you are and do what you do. Pastor Eric says that a lot, and so I'm going to help you out with that. Uh, Turn... Let's start out by turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I think that we still have one projector in operation this morning. I got a text a minute ago that said our projectors don't go down when Eric's preaching. I won't say who that was from, but uh, his name's Michael Martinez. (laughs) So... You can stick your tongue out at him later for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A scripture most of y'all are probably familiar with, but I looked up the word creation, and it says something made or invented out of nothing, bringing into reality something that previously didn't exist. And this thought hit me that I think is so wonderful. Each one of you came out of the imagination of God. Because before something's created, it has to be thought of. It has to be imagined. And everything that we see in the physical that was created, first somebody had to think it up, right? And so you and everything about you came out of the imagination of God. Isn't that amazing? And when you received Jesus, you took on a new identity. You didn't just become the old you but now you're going to heaven. You took on a new identity. You became a new creation in Christ, and you no longer identify with who you were before, but now you can identify with Christ and his identity. And I thought about this a little bit longer, and I I recognize that the best way to understand a creation is when you understand a creator. And so to know who you are in Christ, first it's important to know who he is. Um, I heard this fact a long time ago. Uh, You know, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, something that we're all grateful for, I'm sure. But to know that he tried something like 30,000 times before he got it right makes that thing a little more precious. It makes me appreciate it a little bit more that he didn't give up and that we have this thing because he was willing just to, to do what it take till he do what it took till he got it right. Amen. And so knowing a little bit more about the creator helps you appreciate the creation. Also, uh, the hymn Blessed Assurance, it's one of my favorites. I love that hymn. And it was written by a lady named Fanny J. Crosby years and years ago. And one of the lines in that hymn is, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. And I always thought that was beautiful. But when I found out 
that she was blind since birth, it made that line even more powerful because she didn't experience visions of rapture bursting on my sight in the physical realm. It was all something that God revealed to her. She didn't see it in the flesh and blood, but it was something that, I, that to me became more powerful when I knew a little bit more about the creator of that song. And so I think people make the mistake when they become a Christian, when they accept Christ, that they accept the fact that he died for their sins so that they don't have to, and they accept the new life in heaven someday. They acknowledge that one day when they leave this earth, they're going to end up in heaven, and they stop right there, and they leave it at that. And that's great. They will, they will be with their Savior one day, but they don't, they don't search out who God is, and they never take the time to find out who this God who did this for them is and what he can do for their lives here on earth. And once you know who he is, it just changes everything. Once you know that he is healing, he is victory, he is prosperity, he is deliverance, he is favor, he is peace, he is joy, he is wisdom and strength, he is authority, he is redemption, he is forgiveness, he is reconciliation, he's the hope of glory, and he dwells on the inside of you. Amen? And once you have a realization of that, then you can know that depression can't reside in you where the, where the source of joy lives. That poverty has no place where abundance reigns. That sickness can't be where the healer lives. And so that's the beginning of, of the fruit that you can have in your, in your walk with God after you receive Jesus. Um, and, and make no mistake, your future will be determined by your understanding of who Christ is in you. Absolutely, your future will depend on it. Another thing that's comforting about that is that your path will be of one, one of righteousness and peace no matter what you endure in this life. No matter where you go or what you experience, when you have an understanding that you are walking out this life as a temple of the Spirit of the living God, then you recognize that you are righteousness. Amen. All right, now turn to, cha to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. All right, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They're going based on what they can see, what they've experienced so far. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't get this just by looking at me, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Recognizing who Christ is will give you the confidence and the peace about who you are. Amen? And knowing who you are in Christ will be your stabilizing factor for your life. 
Um, and, and your identity in Christ is so important because every, everywhere you go, people are going to try to identify you for you. They will try to label you based on your race or your gender or your occupation or perhaps even the way that you dress. People are going to try to define who you are based on the encounter that they have with you. And some of it will be a very limited encounter. And even the people who know you well, they still have a limited encounter in order to label you. But they'll try. They'll try. They'll, they'll say that because you're this, you should act a certain way. Because you're a man, you should accomplish this. Because you're, um, what I said in the early service was for Steve Bolden. I said they assume because you're an accountant that you're boring and... <laughs> pretty straight-laced. You know, they're, they're going to try to identify you if you let them. That's just how our society works. And we have all of these images that we think that everybody should fit in. And we've done that. We've done that as a society. And um, so now we're trying to break away from it. And it's kind of funny. I think that uh, people just start working against themselves after a while. We've, we've made all these images that we're all trying to fit in. And then when we realize we don't, we're like, oh, wait, forget that. You're not supposed to look like everybody else. But it's the truth. People will absolutely start to define you if you let them. Um, and it's based solely on a partial encounter. And it doesn't matter who it is. Some of you, your encounter with me is just what you see here on Sunday mornings. You know, and you can tell about me that I like clothes and that I like shoes. Usually I've got my big heels on and things like that. You can tell my approximate age. You know, very... <laughs> Less I lie about it and you believe me. But, uh, you know, there are certain things you can tell about me based on the encounter that you have. Some of you know me a little bit more and you know that I'm married. Most of you should know I'm married. My husband pastors this church. You know that I have three kids. You know that I do, in fact, like to shop. <laughs> and, um, and things like that. And then there's those of you that know me a little bit better. And you know that I... Uh, grew up with two brothers, and that I don't have a lot of girlfriends from my childhood, because I didn't, I didn't have any girlfriends. In fact, when I got married, it was kind of an issue, because my husband wanted to have like nine groomsmen, and I'm like, okay, uh, do I need to send out applications? What do I do? Because my very first girlfriend was Jennifer, who's my sister-in-law now. We became best friends, and she was really the first female friend I had. And so I asked a couple of my cousins and a family friend, and then I finally just turned to my guy friends, and I said, sorry, you're going to have to be my bridesmaids. <laughs> and they were, and it was great. And uh, if you ever get to ch the chance to see my wedding pictures, it's pretty amazing because Eric's friends were musicians, my friends were musicians. There was a whole lot of long hair and craziness, and so it's pretty entertaining. Um, but that's, that's something you may know about me if you know a little bit more about me. But even my husband, who knows the most about me, he only has a partial realization of who I am. Maybe more than anybody else, but it's still partial. Because God knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. He dwells with me every moment of every day. He is aware of every desire, every hurt, every thought that I have. He's with me every moment of every day. So why would I not believe what he says about me? 
Why would I ever take into account somebody with a partial encounter with me, what they think or say about me or what kind of a label they try to put on me? Why wouldn't I solely put my trust in what God says about me and who he says I am? And this is the foundation of who you are as a believer. You know, when you make cookies, there are certain ingredients that you have to have. You have to have the flour, you have to have the oil, you have to have things like that, the baking soda. I know some of you exchange oil for applesauce to be healthy. Good for you, more power to you. (laughs) Things like that. But the truth is you have to have the basics that create the substance of the cookie. And then you can add all the fun ingredients on top of it. You can put coconut in it, you can put cinnamon in it, you can do nuts, fruit, chocolate, whatever it is that you want. But if you took all the nuts and the fruit and the coconut and wadded them up in a ball and tried to cook them, it wouldn't work. The heat wouldn't do anything for those ingredients. But with the basics there, you can add whatever you want and make it fun. And when you're rooted in Christ and confident in who you are in Him, then it's up to you to add all the ingredients to your life. You know, we get so bound up in thinking that we have to do things a certain way to be in the will of God, and that's not true. The scripture we read a minute ago says, God's revealed who I am to you. Now you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And you have the authority over your own life. And you get to make the choices, and God's right there with you all the way, which means you're in his will. I have a friend from high school, and she's actually several years older than me, but she was a family friend, so I I knew a lot about her through her family, and she was an amazing gymnast, and I was into gymnastics, so I followed her pretty closely. Really, our whole community followed her because she was that good. I think all through high school, she ranked number one in the nation for gymnastics. She was amazing, and um, like... At least 10 years after we, she left high school, she still held all those records. I don't know if she still does, but she was awesome. And at one point during um, high school, I can't remember when, but Bella Caroli, the gymnastics coach of the Olympians, like he was it as far as gymnastics in the world goes, called her and flew her to his gym. And she stayed there for a couple weeks, she and her whole family. And she worked out with the Olympians that he had there in the gym at the time. Got to know a little bit about him. He went over his program with them. He went through everything that would be expected of her, and he was recruiting her. He was trying really hard to get her to come and be one of his gymnasts. And at the end of the couple weeks, and the whole community knew that this was going on, and everybody had followed her all through high school because she was just amazing, and she's just a great person. She was, came from a godly family, and she was just a really great individual on top of that. So um, when she got back to San Angelo, everybody was so excited to hear what she was going to do from this point. And when she got back, she said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go. And all of us that have that had followed her so closely said, what? Every gymnast in America wants this opportunity. How could you not go? She said, it's not what I want to do. That's not the direction I want my life to go. And even though we would think with that kind of gifting that that's the way that she should go, it's not what she wanted. And guess what? That was just exactly what she should do, is what she wanted. And God fulfilled purpose through her like 
nobody I, I, else I know. She's had seven kids at this point. She's married to an amazing man, and they're, they're uh, prominent in the community, and they do a lot of really good things. And so how many of you know that that is what God wanted for her, if that's what she wanted? And so don't be bound by thinking that you have to go a certain way. If I go this direction, is God going to be with me or does he want me to go this way? He's given you the authority of your own life. And you get to add all the things to it that you want. He's gifted all of you with unique callings and giftings. And you have the authority to use what's in your hand to get to what's in your heart. Um, And sometimes the things that he has gifted you in, is something you want to pursue, and sometimes it's just an additive. I mean, I, all of us would love to be able to sing like Candace, I know. And I could probably be trained to sing to the best of my ability, but I'm not ever going to sound like Candace, and that's okay because he's gifted her with that. And we can appreciate the giftings in other people when we have different giftings and callings. And that takes me to this. Don't be tempted to try to use somebody else's tools. When God gives other people something to do in something that they're using in their life, don't be tempted to uh, desire or try to use tools that you're not gifted to use. I have a, a young lady that lives with me, and her name's Kayla. And if you've ever encountered Kayla, you know that she's something else. She's quite an individual. She, Kayla just turned 20, and um, she graduated high school when she was 16 and went to a year of university, and then she moved to Dallas on her own and went to CFNI. So she's been on her own for a while, and she's used to taking care of things uh, by herself. Well, a few weeks ago, Kayla's car broke down in Richardson. She was on her way home from Dallas, and she called me and let me know, and it was about 7 o'clock at night, so it was going to start getting dark soon. She said, I think I'm going to just call a roadside mechanic and have him meet me here. And I said, no, don't do that. Let me come get you. We'll take care of it tomorrow. We'll call somebody tomorrow. I said, I know a few people I could maybe call. So uh, long story short, I went and got her. And then we went back the next day. During the middle of the day, we called a roadside mechanic. Well, this man showed up. And he wasn't official at all. He didn't have on any kind of uniform. He had nothing on the side of his truck. And he had this lady with him. And... It was just all a little bit sketch, to be honest. And um, we were already in kind of a sketch part of town. So I, I just looked at her and said, aren't you glad you waited till I could come with you? But, and she even, he even asked her, like, how did you know about me? And she said, well, I Googled roadside, you know, mechanic, and you came up. And he said, oh, really? And I thought, is this guy for real, like... Okay, and so he starts taking all these tools out of his truck, and then he has his lady friend who's in the truck bringing him other stuff, and (laughs) Kayla's just looking at me like, is this okay? Should we let this guy mess with my car? And I don't know what should and shouldn't be used on her car, so who am I to say? And then pretty soon, one of the problems she was having was with her radiator. Pretty soon he pulls out this jug, takes the lid off of it and starts pouring it into the radiator. And I look at the jug, and it's an antifreeze jug. And she goes, what is that? I said, it, it looks like antifreeze. I don't know. She goes, why is, she, why is he putting that in the radiator? I said, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and so 
he goes back around to his truck to take a smoke break. And, <laughs> and so and we're not paying him by the hour or anything, so it's like, whatever. So I go over around to the other side of her car, and I bend down, and I unscrew that jug, and I pour a little bit out. Sure enough, it's water. So I was like, okay, right, radiator, water, putting water in a radiator makes a little more sense to me. But I had to trust that this guy had, knew how to use his tools. If he had come and just dropped him off and said, these are the tools to fix her car and left, that wouldn't have done me any good because I don't know how to use those tools. And so be careful that you don't try to use tools that you were never intended to use. Um, but there are some, some things that, as a believer, that you can learn. There's tools that God gives to everybody. And, um, but be careful that you don't let the enemy let you start comparing yourself to people that maybe are in the limelight, like professional athletes or people that are on stage, because you have a very small encounter of who they are as people. And so the enemy can really convince you that they are something that they maybe aren't, or something that you would think that you would like to be, but you really have no idea uh, the difference that what's in you and what's in them. I know even several times that we've ended up in counseling with people, we have people say, like, oh, I just can't take it anymore. My husband is this, that, or the other, and, and it just isn't working. And when we try to give them advice, they say, yeah, but it's different for you because you're married to him, and, you know, Pastor Eric must be perfect, and... Uh, <laughs> because the encounter that they have of him is what they see here on Sunday morning. But let me tell you, we face the same struggles in our marriage that you do, and we face the same struggle raising our kids that you do. But we just know what tools to use, and we know how to use them. And we know that if you took the same tools and used them in the same way, that it, you would be successful at it too. Um, Michael, go ahead and put that slide up that you made for me. We often have people come to us with a frustration that they say, you know, I've put God first in my life and things still aren't working out and I don't know what to do. Every morning I start my day out with the Lord and I read my Bible and then when I get out there, things just fall apart and I don't know what to do because they're trying to prioritize God at the top of their lives instead of making God the center of their lives. And everything that you do, every relationship that you have should flow out of your relationship with God. Raising your kids should flow out of your relationship with God. Your job should flow out of your relationship with God. Your marriage should flow out of your relationship with God. Even your pets should flow out of your relationship with God. <laughs> your your involvement in your community should flow out of your relationship with God so that you can be successful in everything that you do. Turn to uh, John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. By the way, my husband is perfect, so just so you know. I figure he'll be listening to this, so I thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> Andy's been gone for the last few weeks, so that makes him pretty perfect. In my eyes right now, there's nothing. <laughs> I want him to come back so bad that it makes me not even see any of his faults anymore. 
Absence does make the heart grow fonder. That's true. All right, John chapter 14, 1 through 6. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, it says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he is in us, because he has given us He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Christ in you will give you the purpose and direction that you need for your life. And there are certain things that we're all called to do, and that is to love God and to love one another. And the purpose and direction that that Christ in you gives will give you clarity. And the more clarity you have, the easier the road is to travel And let me just encourage you with this. Life doesn't necessarily ever get any easier. Isn't that encouraging? But it does get better. It does get better. Because every step that you take, there's going to be opposition that comes against you. There is. You live in this world, and it's something that even God said to us, that we would face opposition. But knowing who he is... And who you are in him will give you the capacity to overcome any opposition that comes your way. And then when you open up the word of God, it will no longer be a wish list for you, but it'll be a reflection of who you are. Because you'll have a greater revelation of who you are in Christ. Amen? All right. Well, Father, I thank you for this time in your presence, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you've given us unique giftings and callings, Lord. But Father, I also thank you that you've given us the authority over our own lives to use those in the way that we desire. Because not only have you, do you give us the desires of our heart, you put those desires there to begin with, Lord. You made us to desire certain things, Lord, and then you gave us the things to fulfill those desires. Father, I thank you for the abundant life that you sent your son Jesus for us to have. And I receive that for everybody here today, Lord. And Father, I pray that as these people go throughout their week, that their sphere of influence and the people that they encounter would be just blown away by the love and acceptance that they show because they are confident of who they are in Christ. And Lord, I thank you for every household being abundantly blessed above all they could ask or think. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right, Pastor John, come release us this morning. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.